0: Welcome to Raise Up Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, your host, and with me today, of course, is Mr. Brandon Way. How are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing all right, Mark. It feels like a bit of a throwback doing the Raise Up show, but how are you doing? <laughs> I'm telling you, but it is a bit of a throwback. It's been a while since we've done one. We've had so much else to talk about on the regular Baseball Biz show, but it is opening week and everything is happening. You and I were looking up a couple of months ago saying, are we going to have a season at all? Uh are we if we're are we going to have a 60 game season? What kind of season is it going to be like? I don't want to get too much into it at this point, but MLB was threatening to start cutting games if an agreement wasn't made. And then they backed down and said, okay, we'll just shorten the spring training season. But we have opening week, opening days. And I don't know about you, dude, but I was excited. I was excited to see it come. Yeah, I was excited. Ab- it was
1: nice I could jump around, watch different games. I wasn't just stuck with the ones that were on normal TV, and that was a really nice addition to my weekend.
0: We're going to talk about the Rays obviously, Dave, but was there anything exciting or strange you saw out there across all of baseball? Uh,
1: well, apparently the Blue Jays hit a bunch of home runs, so there's that. I mean, we already
0: have fights between different teams two games into the year, so well, we'll cover all that in the upcoming baseball biz that we'll run later this week. But, yeah, that, that's certainly some exciting stuff. And we'll give a critique across all of the different divisions on that next show. But right now, let's focus on what's happening with the Tampa Bay Rays and the opening at the Trop. You know, one of the best things I loved about it, Brandon is looking at it, is the Trop was sold out.
1: <laughs> I do like that. I've sold out. But I'm gonna put a little bit of an asterisk there to, to make fun of the Rays a little bit. They don't sell the upper deck. But it's still
0: a sellout as a sellout, technically. That's right. That's right. I mean, it it has to feel good for the players to look and see at least those first two decks sold out. <laughs> and uh, to hear the crowd, you know, it's, it's probably not the same as, as big as an ALDS game that they had. But it certainly was huge. It was certainly loud and certainly exciting for the fans that were there and those watching at home. You know, I was wondering, who's Kevin Cash going to start with? On opening day, and he picked Shane, not Shane Boss, but Shane McClanahan. <laughs> yeah, Shane and Shane, don't get me mixed up here enough, all right? Shane McClanahan, game one. Wow, that was absolutely amazing. He had a little rough start, but first let's go ahead and take a listen to what Shane had to say about the game.
1: It's not ideal how you want to start the year, but it's all about the next batter. You know, I hit him, it's all about getting the next guy. Uh, You know, executing a first-pitch strike then and just moving
0: on. What a way to start, man. I mean, think about it. Here it is, opening day. Shane McClanahan takes the mound, and, you know, he's thinking, he probably wants to strike out Cedric Mullins. He's thinking what that first pitch is going to be like. And there, at the plate, is Cedric Mullins, leading off Baltimore in this game against against the Rays. And he's thinking, well, yeah, I want to hit this thing right now. Either get a nice, solid base hit, a double, and, or, maybe, or, (laughs) get a home run. You know, that's what's on his mind. But what happens next? Yeah, bam, immediately, poor Shane, he drills it right into Cedric Mullins' shoulder, and, wow, the first pitch of the opening day at the Trop, and Cedric Mullins takes the base. Not what anybody anticipated. I saw it on TV. I was looking at Shane. It was, you could tell he was, he was apologetic. It was like, oh no. Hey, you okay? <laughs> what a way to go, brother. I, I don't think I've ever seen a hit batter on the first pitch
1: of the season. I mean, I've seen like a pass ball. You, mostly you just see a ball or a strike, but I've never seen anybody get hit. And if you believe that the first pitch is an omen to the start of the season, then I, I don't know what to tell you about this season.
0: well if it's an omen it was interesting too well we were talking earlier about the number of games that the poor Baltimore Orioles did last year I think it was like 50 or thereabouts we'll talk about it maybe a little bit more later and they won their first three games last year so I don't know that that means anything for the Rays
1: yeah I don't really know if hitting somebody on the first pitch of the season is the the greatest opening act you can ask for but it's it's what we got, so I guess he had to deal with it now.
0: Yeah, you it, it was exciting, though. It was that first inning, sitting there on tether hooks, look when what's going to be happening next. And lo and behold, we're looking, they're coming back. Rays were returning with, with the AL East Championship. Baltimore, you know, they're coming back on opening day from the basement with a 52 win and a hundred and ten loss record. You know, Shane McLannan, there he is opening day. And what happened? Well, let's see. After hitting poor Cedric Mullins in. <laughs> Two pitches later, by the third pitch, Ryan Mountcastle, he's getting a liner into center field, and now they got two men on base. So Shane's looking at her said, okay, I've got three pitches. i got, I got two men on base. What do I do next? Well, his fourth p- uh, pitch is up there to a fan favorite for a lot of folks, who's the DH for the Baltimore Orioles, and that's Trey Mancini. You know, he went to bat, and the first couple of pitches, there were strikes to Mancini, but by the seventh pitch, Finally, Shane's got it out on the board. Uh, uh, was it Ramirez picks up at first and pitches the loud second, and Montcastle, you know, he's tagged out on his trip to second base. The ninth pitch, fourth batter at the plate, Austin Hayes. Shane walks him, to, you know, to first. It's like, oh man, come on. Now I I don't know about you, but when I looked at that. There were a couple of questionable walk or I should say balls during that that sequence.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of questionable calls in a bunch of the games this this weekend, especially Sunday night when I was watching the Yankees Red Sox. I mean, some of those calls, especially in the first inning, I, I did not think they were very good at all, but I mean, it's only the first week, you can't harp on anybody too much, but it, it's spring training for everybody or not spring training. It's opening week for everybody.
0: Yeah, that's the thing to remember because it's <laughs> the spring training is coming going. So we kind of hope that learning curve's gone through, but obviously not completely. Poor umpires, you know, there's shark Joe West this year. So there's still some catching up. But still looking at that first part of the first inning, what after 13 pitches and base loaded, you know, Kyle Snyder came out there to the Shane said, Shane, you know, let's let's catch your breath here, dude. Let's let's kind of smooth things out. Yeah, I mean, it looked like the
1: opening day jitters were really good into McClanahan. I mean, this is his first. I don't remember. Was he on the roster? Did he pitch opening day last year? I don't recollect. I don't think he did. He may have, but I don't know. I I don't remember, but I can't imagine as quick as he's being thrown in there to be the opening day starter. I imagine the nerves were getting to him because first three pitches, he already had two guys on. And then, you know, he started to bounce back a little bit. But then Snyder came out and you know calmed him down a little bit, gave him, you know, a little bit of a breather, and it really seemed to calm him down because he got like a three-pitch strikeout the next time, and then he got another got the third out. And that really seemed to calm him down, which he needed, because who knows where that could have gone if he didn't go out and
0: talk to him. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, that, that was a whole lot going on for that young man. And trying to pull all those pieces together. We look, take a look at what, what happened when the Orioles, they came back out and you said, what were our first at bats? Well, he's, let's see. We saw Yandy Diaz. He came up, he had a fly ball into left. He leaded off the group there. You got to love wander Franco. He always delivers. And he was the second man up at the bat. He comes up there and he sprints the first man. And the, the excitement in the stadium was just, you know, you could feel it. Ramirez comes up, he makes contact, gets an out. Randall Rizzler he comes up. Unfortunately, he wound up striking out. But I think a couple other things about the game that I thought were really worth noting was, was Josh Lowe. You know, he came up, and I think he walked after getting 10 pitches from uh, John Mean. So there are some exciting parts of the game. I was real excited being seeing Josh Lowe out there as well. You know, this was his big first game and certainly opening day. You know, he's got that brother, man. What's his name? Uh, Nate Lowe. Yeah, Nate Lowe, and the story was that the parents, their parents were going to, out to see Nate Lowe playing there, I guess, with the Rangers, and lo and behold, they heard Josh is going to be out there opening day for the race, and they said, well, you know, he hasn't been really playing much with Major League, I think he did some last year, like maybe one game or something, and so mom and dad came back to watch Josh and Nate, I'm sure they, they'll, they love you, but uh, this was kind of a first.
1: Yeah, I mean he's done a good job of getting on base. He, he has three walks, uh, yeah, three thirteen on base percentage, four strikeouts. So not the greatest start to the year, but it's only four games, so you really can't take much away from it. You know, not not the worst start. Could be better. Could be a lot worse, though.
0: Yeah, well, you know, all in all, McClanahan he really did come through. I mean, what did he what did he do? Sixty eight pitches, pitched four and a third innings, four hits, zero runs, two walks and seven strikeouts. And here's a little bit more what Shane had to say about that.
1: First inning, um, you know, I, I needed to make some better pitches, you know, get ahead and throw a lot more strikes. But, yeah, I think I felt my groove uh, right after the second. You know, started to find the zone a lot better, started to execute pitches, and the uh,
0: good, good things happened. Wow, yeah, that, that, did, uh, that did get a little better, a lot better, like I said, than hitting the first man off yeah
1: and he he really did calm down after the first inning. he was actually really efficient, much like most of the race pitchers were this week, and that was nice to see and My rough math, and I do that roughly, I put an emphasis on that through sixty eight pitches that would have put him about six innings if he were to use the hundred pitch limit. so you know it's they're still in the phase of you know the spring training was rushed, they're gonna take guys time and to stretch them out so not too worried if they're like only letting them throw 70 pitches in July or August. I'd be a little bit more like, hey, what are you doing? But 68 pitches, you got to let the guy you know, get his ramp up time.
0: Well, we'll talk about why that was important and why Cash made a great decision there. Because we always talk about the health and injuries with players and how that can impact a team starting out at the beginning of the year all the way throughout. Let's hear what Cash had to say about McClanahan.
1: Shane looked good. He looked really good. After the fact, uh, you know, the first inning, you know, uncharacteristic. He hits a guy first pitch. I don't know how many times that's been done on opening day, but <laughs> he was able to settle in. Drove his pitch count up a, a tick high, but uh, happy with the way his stuff looked, the way he kind of settled in. And Baltimore, we knew they had some good at bats against him. He had to make some big pitches in multiple innings.
0: Yeah, Cash obviously saw, obviously saw the value in having Shane out there in the performance that he gave. I mean, the only criticism he gave was, I think, with one of the earlier innings, he he um, spent a little bit more time with the number of pitches he had. But as you pointed out, overall, he did pretty daggone good as far as restricting the amount of pitches he had to, to get those outs and to get those four and a third innings done.
1: Yeah. And it's you've, as, as long as we've known each other, I've always been saying they need to be a little bit more aggressive and attack the zone. And that's really what it seemed like he did, especially when he started to calm down. And as he did that, it seemed like he calmed down and he ended up throwing less pitches throughout the game and kept his pitch count low over the four innings.
0: Well, it was exciting to watch all that going on you know, during the Baltimore games. I mean, that, that was a good start on opening day with Shane McClanahan. And the Rays did go ahead and swept the Orioles, but then it stopped. It stopped when the Oakland A's came to town. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't probably as concerned about the A's as much as I should have been. And I'm looking here and they've lost what some great talent like Matt Olson out there. I thought, well, there, there goes a lot right there. There's going to be some batting that disappears. I mean, they
1: put the, uh, store closing, everything must go sign outside the Coliseum, but they just let everybody go. I mean, the only guys I recognize are Elvis Andrews, Jed Lowry, uh what's his name steven vote those are the only guys i really really recognize and there's nobody left on this team and i guess the we'll go with the game starting at 6 30 kind of threw them off so they got the slow start because honestly i thought the game started at seven two and <laughs> i went to i changed the channel to see what was going on it was already four nothing jeez pete brother
0: it was nuts you know i i i thought uh like i said i didn't really expect to see as much as we did the game started out with a little bit of nastiness there. You know, of course, with Luis Patino, you know, he's taking the mound, and I really like this young man. It's exciting watching, but his stint out there on the mound only lasted 13 pitches. What was that all about? Yeah, he's a guy that I think you and I
1: agree he has. He could be a really high reward pitcher for the Rays, and he actually started off really good. He only had the one guy on about 13 pitches in, 12, 13 pitches, and it turns out he ended up something with his oblique and that's going to set him back a while. I believe they said it could be a couple months with ramp up time. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a bit of a dent already into the, the IL.
0: Yeah. Let's see. Cause and he was doing everything he could, he was trying, you could tell he was trying to go ahead and continue it. You could, he was stopping between pitches there at the very end and doing a little bit of squatting. And I think Kevin saw that. Said, no, uh, Kevin Cash said, we're going to come out there with a guy to look at you and everything else, and uh, he waved, waved Mazza in. And then at this point, Patino has two outs. The batter up there is two strikes against him, and Mazza comes in with only one guy on base. So, you know, pitcher has to come in. go. Didn't go so well the remainder of the game. But I did want to hear what Kevin Cash had to say about uh, Patino. Let's check that out here.
1: He, he wasn't very comfortable, but we'll see. Check on Kevin tomorrow. I'm sure we'll see a doctor, and then we'll have a better understanding of you know how uh, how bad it is or or not bad.
0: Well, Kevin sounds hopeful. Anyway, I, I don't know what's actually going to happen from that, Brandon. But uh, I do like the idea of sounding hopeful. Yeah, I mean, Cash tends to be a an upbeat,
1: positive guy, even even in the bad times. I mean, that's probably why a bunch of his players love him. but this early in the season, it makes no use to be getting down on everybody already.
0: No. And it's still too early to tell a lot of things. I mean, I think it goes back to when you're looking at what happened with McClanahan and pulling him after four and third innings, you know, it's it's concerned about his players health. And, you know, after what happened with the Patino, it was a smart move.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Looking at the guys that they already have on the aisle just on the pitching staff.
0: You kind of don't want to take any more risks than you need to. Well, let's take let's do take a look at that. Cause I saw something from Matt Germain this morning on Twitter. You probably saw it too. Who are some of the guys that are gonna be that are out or going to be out?
1: Um, uh, well, let's just start with the 60 days. I mean, we have Nick Anderson, Pete Fairbanks, Yanni Chirinos, Tyler Glassnow, Brendan McKay, who I mean, McKay, I don't think I've seen
0: in like three years. I don't, I, yeah. I forgot he was on the team. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's, he's been out for a bit. Uh, and Nick Anderson, who's been one of my favorites, who I think has been ruthless, you know, when he's pitching up there on on the mound. Uh, you know, he is a closer as much as anything else. But who else you got? I mean, the king daddy of pitchers for the Rays, Tyler Glass. Now, I don't know if he's going to be back at the very end of the season or not after having that Tommy Johns, but. They want to take care of him first.
1: Yeah, got to protect your investment. And I mean, I don't know if he could be back at the end of the year. If he is, is, I don't think he'd be a very big piece in the starters. They might use him sort of in a lower role, like an opener, or even a reliever if they make the postseason. And then looking at the 10 days, they got some key names there too with Shane Boz and Ryan Yarbrough. So those are two pretty pretty important pieces to the rotation right there.
0: And who knows where Patino is going to slot into these. Well, and Patino may very well have been one of the five guys in rotation. So there's three guys right there that we know that that could be struck out of it. And cash is really going to have to be, you know, asking a lot of the rest of his bullpen.
1: I mean, I joke about it, but sadly it's true. This is one of like the great race traditions where they battle injuries so much throughout the year. I don't I don't know what causes it causes it if they need like new training regimen, a new training staff, or or what. I'm not an expert, but it seems like every year for the past few years,
0: injuries have been their biggest bugaboo. Yeah, this it has been a big issue, and I'm not sure what they're doing or not doing. And part of it, I believe, goes to the speed the pitchers believe they need to throw it at. I want to get somebody on here real soon, to talk a little bit more about player development and health, but I, I do believe that is part of it. I mean, we've seen a lot of other big star pitchers across the league who are suffering right now. And what was it? Uh, it was the Mets, the Mets, who were they supposed to have wound up um, pitching, but it was supposed to be DeGrom, I think on opening day.
1: Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. So there... <laughs> All the names that go through the Mets rotation.
0: Yeah. Right, man. you, So you look at that and there's a lot of others. We'll talk about that on upcoming baseball biz, but it is stunning. And I really have to question whether or not it's because some of this with the speed, there is a physical therapist, pitching coach. I want to get on here soon. We can talk about, and I'm not going to name him because I haven't called him yet. (laughs) We'll see if we can get him on here to give a little bit more insight. But the one thing I do like about this week this opening week it was not only that they you know swept the baltimore orioles and you can only beat your chest so much for that beating a team that only won 52 games last year but uh, uh the guy who keeps baseball fun and even after that last well losing the game we lost last night to the oakland a's brett phillips came, kept it lively kevin's still you know we're talking about trying to save pitchers who's he putting out there was i think part of the eighth and ninth inning He puts Mr. Brett Phillips on the mound, Mr. Outfielder himself, but he he brings the smiles. He brings what I think one of the pitches, I think, were 40 miles per hour last (laughs) night. Oh, and folks, if you haven't checked it out, it's going to be the highlight of the week, I believe. And that's Brett Phillips on the mound pitching, and the batter pops it. It goes up, and it's seemingly heading over toward the opponent's dugout. Frankie Mejia is going. Frankie Mejia is running over to the dugout. But before he gets there, the guy from the mound, Brett Phillips, is rushing over in the same direction. And he goes ahead and slides across the dirt to catch the ball in the air directly in front of (laughs) the uh, Oakland A's dugout. So it was quite an exciting little piece to watch. So look that up. I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's certainly on the MLB. Uh, film room so both of those are great places to find
1: it yeah he had two really great sliding catches last night and i personally i'd prefer he stay in the outfield because that generally benefits the team <laughs> but you're, you're not going to get an effort like that from your average
0: pitcher are you no no i i've tweeted something this morning saying you know there you are you got an outfield state of mind on the mound <laughs> because it, that's how he plays you know he is the guy mr maverick brett phillips who has Coined, I guess, baseball is fun. I don't know if he's got a copyright or trademark or whatever on that. But uh, he, he keeps it fun. And you know, I was looking at uh, not, not Monday night, but Sunday night or Sunday after the game. A lot of times the Rays, they have it set up where the kids can run the bases. They let them down there and run the bases. And lo and behold, Brett comes out there and runs the bases with the kids for a bit out there. And I thought, yeah, yeah, he's a big kid. He loves the game, and, geez, thank goodness we got him here.
1: I mean, that's pretty cool for those kids that you ran the bases with an MLB player. I mean, 11-year-old me ran the bases at the Trop, and I I didn't get to run with a player. I ran by myself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but, oh, well, like I said, he brings the fun to the game, and he's willing to share it with everybody. Well, as long as we're talking about folks who keep the game fun, it's interesting looking across, you know, who's – out there elsewhere the uh, x-rays if you will former rays and where they're playing on opening day see i was looking at just south of here with the marlins they had joey wendell and he was playing third again and he had two errors <laughs> oh my gosh oh. yeah yeah uh, judge louis schiff he he was you know he's a big fan down there's he got season tickets i said oh great you had Joey. he says yeah mark you had two e's he says Course you can't spell window except with that with two e's in it i said okay <laughs> were, they,
1: were any of them as bad as kiermeyer's
0: jeez uh, i don't know oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh the marlins still have uh avi garcia out there he's playing right field and jesus aguilar my favorite dh you know he was i think he had like five at bats and one hit that game uh the braves the atlanta team i guess i should say the atlanta team. <laughs> the the uh, World Series champs who no longer have Freddie Freeman. They do have, uh, I think that's, uh, what is it, uh, Travis Darno, I know he's with them. And Charlie Morton, and there's somebody else that just doesn't come to me at the moment. A few moments ago, we were talking about the Rangers, and you spoke about Nate Lowe. He's still there playing left field. And Brad Miller, who's been doing fantastic with him as well. Let's see, who else do we have? Oh, yeah, that uh, late great trade. Of Austin Meadows, who we all sad to see go, but now he's with the White Sox. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He's with the Tigers. (laughs) Dude. All right, White Sox. You may be hungry, but you're not getting him. So the Tigers got him, and he's at, uh, let's see, his first game. He had one hit, three walks, and one run. Oh, can't be right. Three walks? Jeez. Yeah, that's a patient man. He must have learned a few things from Yandy, too, for that.
1: Uh, Probably so cold up there,
0: he's afraid to swing. (laughs) Yeah, that may be. Let's see. The Astros and Angels game. Uh, the Angels had Matt Duffy. I was wonder where he was at. And a former pitcher for the Rays, Aaron Loop, he pitched an inning after Otani. Uh, another former Rays pitcher was in that game with the Astros, and that's Jake Odorizzi. He pitched four innings, and the Astros won that game 13-6. to six. The Brewers. <laughs> well, we know Ozzie Timmons is out there coaching with them now. I don't think he's out there standing at first base. But let's see who else. Oh my gosh. Well, he's got Mike, Mike Rossell's with them. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Hunter Renfro's there now. And of course, Willie Adamas. So you look across the league and you're going to find some good old Tampa Bay Rays just by anywhere you look.
1: You could probably put together a full roster of just the five X Rays over the last five years and have a pretty decent team too. Yeah, you
0: know, that that would be interesting. If we're going to have an expansion race team, I don't know. Oh, just glad to keep the one we got right now. I mean, I heard Stu says he's uh, feeling good about, you yeah, I think we're going to get a stadium built. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> That's sort of like, to me, when I hear that, it's sort of like hearing, yeah, hearing judges are almost close to a deal with the Yankees right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll believe it when it happens. Oh, maybe we need to call into John Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> Your boy. Oh my boy, yeah, everybody's boy. I don't know. Anyway, brother, that's it's looking pretty good for the season. So, what do you expect and what's what's your view of where the Rays will be at the end of the 2022 season?
1: Oh, I mean, four games in, I think they're looking pretty good. I think we can you can we can stop the season right here if you you want. I mean, they're tied for first place with the Blue Jays and they got some good things to take away from. I mean, the pitching staff, like I said, they look a little bit more efficient this year. Except for you know Kluber, he didn't pitch horrible, but he had the four walks. That's my only concern really with him. And right last night, you know, that was left a bit to be desired. I'll just put it that way. And offensively, I mean, Wander Franco, Franco, I should say. He's he's off to a lightning quick start. I mean, he's put a rocket up his behind the way he started. I mean, he's hitting 600, at 1296 OPS, three RBIs. G Man Choi, I mean, he's got us saying Freddie Who. He had like a 10-minute at-bat at one point over the weekend. I changed the channel, and i it was one of those classic change of channels during a break, and you forget to change it back. Like five, 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, man, I miss, must have missed what happened. I changed it back. I only missed four pitches, so I didn't miss anything. he He's had a really good start. He's hitting 500, 615 on-base percentage, 1215 OPS, three walks, two RBIs, so a great start for the All-American man, G-Man
0: Choi. Wow. Well, I'm excited about, I'm always excited about G-Man Choi. And I love the chance when he comes up to bat at home, you know, the 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 uh, fans really get into it and man, he gets into it as well. I'm excited about this season. I don't know if we'll have another 100 win season. We AL East has got to be one of the toughest divisions out there. I mean, if you look last year, what was it the, the top four? You had the us, meaning the Rays with 100 wins, the Red Sox and the Yankees tied with 92 wins. And the Blue Jays were 91. All four. So the Razor, what 617 percentage? The Red Sox have got a 568, Yankees 568, and the Blue Jays 562. Now, you know, when you got four teams that are above 500, guess what's going to happen on that fifth team? It's going to hurt. You know, you you got a 321 winning percentage with the Orioles. I I think the Orioles might actually be a little better this year. They're going to be a little more seasoned. Ryan Mottcastle Ryan is going to do a little better. Uh, Cedric Mullins is always, you know, he's sharp there. So we're going to see with them. I, I don't know. I, I believe the Rays will still be, at, you know, at the top. I don't know. There'll be 100 wins, though, this year. I really don't. I'm thinking maybe more like uh, 95.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think they do 100 wins. I don't think the roster is as good as it was last year. But, I mean, it's the Rays. I've been proven wrong so many times. I'm, I'm, I almost don't want to put a prediction on what they'll do. <laughs> I saw something ridiculous and I, I wish I sent it to you, but well, MLB did one of those like season simulations of everything. And for the East, they had a four way tie for the division. Everybody except the Orioles Oof. finished. It was like 88 and 74. I was like, that that doesn't make much sense, but <laughs> if that were to happen, that would be, I don't How would you fix that? Oh gosh. I
0: don't know. It's like a nightmare. Manford had to come in there and flip a coin on some things, I guess, to see who's oh, going to play. Lord. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do it with his headphones on. <laughs> well, right now, the, the Red Sox are in the basement with one win and three losses. Orioles are one and three. Actually, they're sharing it then with the Orioles. But I would say if I had to figure out what it would look like at the end of the year, I would say Rays, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Yankees, Orioles. And I would say the Yankees will be closer to the Orioles than you would think at the end of the year. Um, there's, there's a lot of troubles going on there. And I, I believe in the clubhouse as much as anything. We talked a moment ago about Judge, but I think there's a bit of unease there. And I don't know if they're going to be able to tie it up. The one, there's a couple of factors that you and I both know are going to impact anything we say here, and that is health injuries. You know, that's one key right there. And the other is what happens after the All Star Game. You look at what Alex Anthopoulos did with the with Atlanta Braves last year. You know he came in there and he shook it up. He brought in a lot of guys that helped them get to the World Series. Huge. So as much as I think I can say something about what the AL East will look like at the end of the year, it's really just a toss up after All Star Game and seeing who's healthy at that point. And did I hear you right? You're are you saying that the
1: Yankees will finish closer to the Oils than first place?
0: I do, I do. I believe they'll be. Ne- I won't say neck and neck, but I think they're going to be at a lower number. I think they're going to be. uh, I think you know. Last year they were at five sixty eight. I'm going to say they're going to be close to five hundred. I'll say they're above it, but I'll give them five twenty. Eh, I mean. I wouldn't be
1: surprised if they finished finished fourth just looking at the division, but finishing fourth here could be still be a really good record, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could, and I'm looking, you know, across some of the other ones. American League, we talked with Chicago, Chicago uh, White Sox, and uh, Nick Morowski a couple weeks ago. If you guys haven't heard that one, check it out, and they're going to be fun to watch too. They finished the division with 13 wins above the you know the next team down, so when i talk with nick he doesn't necessarily expect that they'll have that wide of a separation between the first and second place teams in their division by the end of the year so it'll be interesting to see
1: yeah that that division i think could be worth watching i mean i talked about a lot last week with the the twins and the the tigers what they could do so i, I think that could be something worth watching yes indeed
0: well brandon <laughs> it's just the beginning brother so we'll see what's going to go on but I think all the Rays and baseball fans ever everywhere need to remember what Brett Phillips has to say. And that is baseball is fun. It is. And remember the golden rule I've told everybody last year,
1: don't panic until Memorial day. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's hard not to, but I promise you.
0: Well, it's the stress. Some of us live on between now and then anyway, it's part of entertainment for some of us, but you're right on the money. Anyway. Um, much like spring training, it's only worth so much till you get there. But indeed, every game counts. So we love all you guys. Glad you're here again with us at the Raise Up Baseball Biz, and we'll be back later this week with the regular Baseball Biz edition. And want to thank you for coming here today. And Brandon, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sports Blitz Pod. All right, and you can find me Mark at the Baseball Biz on Twitter. So we look forward to talking to you guys real soon. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for the music stomps, and claps.